Welcome to the Daily Horror Habit, the horror movie review podcast for horror fans and fanatics alike. I'm your host, Jay Krieger, delivering horror movie reviews and discussions of both classic and current films every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for your twisted pleasure. Please be aware that episodes may include spoilers, and as always, I hope you enjoy. For today's episode of Daily Horror Habit, returning Saw fanatic Bernie joins me to continue our series review of the Saw franchise with a look at the fifth entry in this twisted series, 2008's Saw 5. In his feature film debut, director David Hackle, who served as the production designer of Saw 2, Saw 3, and Saw 4, and the second unit director for Saw 3 and Saw 4, Saw 5 continues where the previous film left off with the reveal of another jigsaw pawn, Detective Hoffman, who's locked Agent Strom into the meat locker that was the basis of Saw 3. Strom finds himself in his own game, which pushes his obsession with justice to the ultimate test. So, without further ado, here's our chat on Saw 5. Bernie, welcome back to the show, man. I appreciate it, man. This is uh, another interesting installment, although uh, I think we can agree maybe not as, uh, as as potentially intense as some of the other movies we've seen. I always know the direction our conversation's heading by whether you describe it as, hey man, this was pretty interesting, or this is, uh, this is quite the entry. <laughs> I have a very bad poker tell, apparently. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, like, Obviously, this movie has its its moments, right? Uh, I think we can both agree to start this off, though, that this is, again, uh, as many things that we might see wrong with this movie, this is as good of a fifth movie installment in a horror series as you can realistically imagine getting. Is that Yeah, fair? I definitely think that. And I actually, I made a post on Twitter about that this week in that, again, I had only seen the first two films and uh, Jigsaw going into this series review with you. And this was obviously a fresh watch along with three, four, and now five. And of course, getting into six and seven and uh, Spiral eventually will be first time watches for me. And yet I'm surprised at while four and five I found have definitely been the weaker entries that we've seen so far. They're not like atrocious. Like I was kind of led to believe in a lot of ways, just general, like a read on what people that I know have said about them or just kind of what I've seen online just randomly just stumbling upon it and yeah they're not good movies but as far as the fourth and fifth entries in a horror series and especially considering like Saw these are getting rather one note I mean they're still watchable and I think that like you said they both four and five offer something that I think is appealing to people like us who enjoy the original three so much, even though it kind of just reveals that if these series, the sort of entries of this series are not for you, you're going to probably bounce pretty hard off of four and five, just in terms of like what you get out of them. But as horror fans and fans of Saw in general, these movies have their moments. They're not, they're few and far between and they're not great, but they definitely still have their moments. And structurally, I think while they're one note at the same time, they're not unwatchable again. Right. I mean, again, you, if for the folks that watch saw to see a bunch of like blood and gore, you do get that in spades here. Right. Um, the, some of the kills in this, I would argue one in particular is probably like a top three, uh, like saw kill in the entire franchise. Um, yeah, well, we might, we might have a disagreement on that apparently then. (laughs) Uh, but uh, but no, like the acting in this, I, I don't know if necessarily people come to watch Saw for the, the Oscar winning acting performances, <laughs> but 
I think we have seen progressively as we get further and further into the franchise, we give so much less of a shit about the characters that are actually involved in this anymore. Um, like we were talking off air before this, but I didn't even know any of the actual like quote unquote, well, the, the victims that were actually going through the jigsaw uh, contraptions, mm -hmm. right? Um, the, they're the five, I mean. I didn't, I really don't remember their names. I just remember one guy was like the asshole reporter. Um, there was like the whiny douchebag that was like a rich kid, right? And then there was like three women. Um, there was nothing really that I took away or that I cared if like one of them died or anything. It was just more of actually seeing the death occur than anything else for me. Is that is that accurate for you? Did you get any kind of emotional attachment with any of the characters in this Definitely movie? Definitely not. And I think that this is probably the biggest problem with four and five is that in a lot of ways, they feel like they're indicative of movies from the 80s or 90s that were filmed back to back. Like these two movies, yes. so many moments felt like they were interchangeable between those two films. And I would not, and I mean, again, they were released within a year of one another, which makes sense. But also, there's just not a whole lot of defining moments that sort of differentiate it. I think the only two characters that are standouts are obviously uh, Hoffman and Agent Strom. And of course, Agent Strom is the new protagonist for the fifth film, right? And this is the film that picks up after the events of Saw 3, actually, because we learned the events of Saw 4 were occurring simultaneously with Saw 3 um, or previous to it. Mm -hmm. And so... I like this angle that they take with Saw 5, right? We get to kind of see another recurring character fall into the limelight. That's an element of uh, Saw, again, talking about like mixing up all the Saw movies. Saw 4 with uh, the cop that had been in sort of like getting moved up to the majors after the minors, right? The SWAT team commander. Getting to see a recurring character step into that lead role. I like that idea, right? It's not like, okay, even if he was not as fleshed out, as a lot of other characters, he's still familiar yeah. enough that you're like, oh, cool, we're going to get to learn more about this person. And I like the premise mm -hmm. behind that, even if it's not executed on as nearly as well as it could be, you know? Um, no, but I'm I definitely sure. like that this film picks up at, after the events of the previous film with the new protagonist, and it just feels like there's this natural, prota uh, natural progression from those films, which I mm -hmm. like. Uh, whether or not they really capitalize on that premise and potential behind that, it's another story which we're going to get to the bottom of. But how did you find uh, Strom becoming the new protagonist? What did you think of that? I, I might be ridiculed for saying this, but it was very, it was like slightly hilarious listening to him talk after he stabbed himself in the neck. <laughs> so, so we should mention we that because like, that's a real, that's actually, if that was the scene you were referencing earlier, I think that's a pretty good second trap scene it definitely is uh well basically I, that in, at least to my ridiculous mind took away from his acting true uh whoever it what would be that would be in that position mm -hmm. i feel that it would take away from their acting and, and the character itself um i think he's definitely a perfect a perfect protagonist for this type of a movie because Again, as we continue learning, if you don't listen to what Jigsaw is saying, whether that's Hoffman or it's uh, Tobin Bell, you're gonna die or you're gonna get into a very painful situation, right? So 
that's the thing, the continuous theme that keeps happening where I get, I mean, obviously we've seen, I've seen this uh, a couple times already. So like I've been exposed to that a little bit more, but like, I don't know. It, it's very difficult to understand how if, if you're a police officer and you're, you've seen this continually happen, how you continue to follow those same paths. And again, the character itself, he's like a more put together version of Eric Matthews, Donnie Wahlberg's character, right? But they have a very similar character where they're just very kind of explosive. They're running by the kind of beat of the drum, so to speak. And there's not a lot of foresight into what the fuck they're actually doing. And that inevitably leads to them getting very bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, Strom for me, I would totally agree with your uh, characterization of him, right? He's very similar to Eric Matthews, but he's more put together. And yet yeah. he still goes through the same motions as Eric Matthews, as all of the protagonists have, right? This idea that they put reason aside and they sort of go with their passion and their gut reaction to things, even though he's supposed to be an expert in Jigsaw and doesn't realize like, hey man, this is what his games are all about. And even if Hoffman is behind this and not Jigsaw, it's still the same idea, right? And while Hoffman's version of Jigsaw's ideology is skewed, right? It's not in line with allowing people to survive. It's more about uh, torture or just punishment, right? There's no real way for some people to live, which we kind of get from the opening uh, trap of the film, which is this guy finds himself on like a slab there's this pendulum that's swinging and there's a blade, of course, on the end of it. And it threatens to cut him in half in 60 seconds if he doesn't basically like smash his hands. Um, and of course, not only is that an example of uh, just the increased sort of gore and whatnot in the film, like that's an incredibly gory scene of him just getting sliced and diced in half. But it also reveals furthermore that after he smashes his hands, he's not freed from the trap. So clearly Hoffman is uh, continuing this idea that it's more about pain and suffering than a chance for redemption, which I guess feeds, not I guess, it does feed into the, the switch of these films moving, being more sort of like gleefully nasty than actually sort of having an ideology behind it. Um, but I think also what this film really kind of exposes, and it definitely sort of exposes the fourth film as well, now that I think about it, is just the formulaic nature of these movies now. They're so formulaic, and it's not necessarily to say that the first three were not, but those, the first three tie so well into one another as a trilogy that yeah. it felt like there was more sort of connective tissue be behind the narrative in all of the characters and things like that. Whereas four and five, it feels like it's a little more kind of flying by the seam of their pants in a lot of ways. We have this like yeah. initial trap, a new protagonist, they get jumped by uh, the pig man, and then the narrative runs concurrently or it runs in this kind of like a skewed timeline between another series of games and the and the true protagonist's game, right? Because that's the big reveal of the film is that you have Strom's game, so to speak, and then you have this other game, which is five people that have to go through this series of rooms and they're essentially like supposed to work together, but as human nature, they don't work together <laughs> at all. Um, yeah. What did you think sort of of that, that incorporation of the, the true protagonist narrative running either concurrently or skewed in the timeline with those five people. I think that if you eliminate those five people from this story, from this movie, there's not an actual real difference that this makes from Saw, right? It could have, this could have easily been its own movie just 
what was going on with Strom. Mm -hmm. um, I, at the end, they tied it together in a way, but there uh, with um, what's his face, the FBI agent running into the uh, like into not into Strom, but he was running into the area where, in theory, Strom would have been like looking at those victims. The FBI director, and then he. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, again, we don't know their names. <laughs> it doesn't really matter at this point. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so like I I like it uh, again for what it is. It wasn't necessarily bad. Um, this wouldn't have been a good first movie. Obviously, I think most people would have tuned out. But again, for a fifth movie, not too shabby. Um, what I did like, though, there were a couple pieces that I did like and a couple pieces I really didn't like. And maybe you can help elude this for me if I didn't understand it. One piece, essentially, Strom is in, after he shoots Jeff, which, shout out to Jeff, I've never <laughs> seen a character get killed more than him in a different right, movies. Right, right. He's been killed in three movies Yeah, they've shown his, because Jeff was the protagonist of Saw 3, and now we've seen him be murdered in the next three Saw movies, or Saw 3, 4, and 5. So good for him for getting that bag. I mean, he just shows up, gets I was shot, gonna, and then he's good to go. I mean, God, it, yeah, his agent <laughs> earned every penny for that. Um, but yeah, so I mean, aside from that wonderful scene, again, we, we get shown uh, Strom taking him down and where is my daughter in that horrible accent? By the way, we see, we mentioned this last time, we were like, they just completely wrote off the daughter. The daughter is alive. I guess she was in that <laughs> same facility or same... Uh, abandoned building that it seems whatever city saw is set in is just an infinite number of them, but she's alive. Mm -hmm. So we were wrong, apparently. <laughs> well, here's the thing. God bless her. She was out for one movie. She comes back in just to say, where's mommy? Where's daddy? And that's it. We never again see her <laughs> again. So like there really was no character arc for, for Jeff's daughter, but that's, that's an aside. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, the issue that I had, and again, maybe I'm misunderstanding it, but after he shoots uh, Jeff, Strom does rather, right? In that in the room with Jigsaw's dead body and Amanda, Jeff's wife, right? Uh, the doctor. Um, it's There's a, a recording for him. Like, if you walk through this door, you will, like... He says, basically, like, do not proceed. This room can be your sanctuary or your grave. Yes. He then goes out and in theory, I mean, again, maybe I'm completely forgotten if there's anyone else that's helping Hoffman, but like Amanda's dead, right? So Hoffman's the only feasible person that could do this. So Hoffman like stabs him or whatnot. And then he puts him into that contraption while also walking out while the, the while the detectives are coming in. You see what I mean? Like, maybe I missed the story I mean, a little they, bit. Or they I'm... fuck around with the timeline so much now, and it's it's so predictable at this point, right? Because this is three movies in now, and it's like, okay, I can't take any of this at face value in terms of a timeline. So I almost just accept yeah. it because I just assume now that it's like, okay, we don't really know how much time has passed because they're jumping between so many different narratives and so many different characters. So I just assume that it's like, hey, he locked him in there he lets Strom find that glowing door when he shuts the lights off. He gives him the choice. You're either going to go through or you're going to stay here. And of course, mm -hmm. there's no movie if Strom doesn't go through the trap door or hidden door. 
He jumps him. Right. He knows he's going to go through the trap door because, again, he knows these people so well and whatnot. Um, so then he knocks him out, and then I assume he just puts him in the trap, and then after he puts him in the trap, he just leaves. Right? So it's kind of like this sequential order of events that are uh, unfolding. And again, it could be an hour, it could be six hours. Again, they fuck around with the timeline so much, I stopped trying to like guess the series of events and just go with it. It could be an hour, it could be six hours. I don't know, I'm kind of along for the ride at this point. Well, fair enough, fair enough. Well, so, I mean, those things aside, right? Going into the actual, like the the victims, of uh, the five victims that are going through the maze, right? Uh, when when we go through that, are you just expecting that someone's going to die each time or are you f- thinking that they're actually going to, someone's going to get their shit together and figure out that this is actually doable as a team? Uh, no, I don't assume they're going to work together at all. <laughs> they're just so <laughs> hostile. And again, this kind of like, to your point, uh, kind of just reveals the limitations of the writing. They're just so singular minded in terms of like, okay, I have to survive, not we have to survive, which I anticipate because the games have always been about working together or at least going against one's own instincts. So when you put five people in a room together, we saw with Saw 2, right? Everybody eventually turns on one another. So again, it's not surprising that they immediately are just like, fuck you, I'm going to do what I want to do. And it of course results in each one of them get, or results in another person getting killed with each room. Five rooms, five people. I was surprised when they get to the final room that there was still, or I believe actually there were four rooms, whatever. By the time they get to the final room, I'm not, I was surprised that there were two people. I assumed there would just be one person, which would have made that a much more gruesome scene than it already was, which was fairly gruesome. Um, but I think we skipped over one of what I think is probably one of the coolest scenes of the movie, which is Strom waking up and he finds himself in that box. His head is in a box. And there's these tubes that are connected to these whatever, however many gallon drums of water. And basically, it's one of those nasty Hoffman traps. There's no feasible way for him to escape. He's just going to drown in this elaborate contraption, which if Hoffman isn't watching, what's the point? Why didn't he just kill him, right? Because we see in the very opening of the film when Hoffman is getting a satisfaction from watching uh, Baxter, who is the boyfriend of his sister who murdered his sister. So he's like watching him get cut in half. He's getting a satisfaction out of that. He's getting revenge. If he's not going to watch Strom get killed and drown, what's the point of doing the trap, right? Because when he sees Strom get brought out later by the EMTs, it's kind of like he's surprised. And it's like, well, then why didn't you just fucking kill him if you weren't going to hang around and watch? So I, I think at the end of the movie, there's a small scene where he like, he flips over um, like a, a, a medical, uh, what is it, the gurney or whatever, yeah. right? The, the people lying in the hospital. Um, because he like had a flashback to uh, everybody dying and him being in that tank. And it was something like if he had died, then it would have been put to rest that he's essentially, uh, that, that Strom was Jigsaw or at least it would have put that in motion and he's the hero. And now there's like a new murder and he's gonna find him and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, or put it to bed. Whereas like, again, because the storyline is so convoluted to your point, it wouldn't 
then like if he dies then what the fuck is the point of those five people even being there then because you're just going to get more people to look at start looking like what the hell's going on right um and so yeah like that doesn't make any sense <laughs> timeline wise but again we've kind of I think agree at this point and I think moving forward that like the timeline is just a figment of the writer's imagination and they'll just throw whatever the hell they want at it. Um, but yeah, to your point, one, Agent Strom, his, the way that he gets out yeah. of that was gnarly. Yeah. A pen trick. Um, <laughs> yeah. Again, don't know how that would actually work. Um, it, or you're just like stabbing yourself in a bunch of ink would like pour down your gullet. But again, I'm not a, a medical expert Scott here. Patterson uh, also did that stunt himself, which is pretty wild. Like he stabbed an no, no, actual. No, no, no. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dude, he talks like that now forever. That's just, that's his, his voice and persona. No, uh, he, he was actually had his head in that box and they filled it with water. And when it would, he would obviously begin to run out of air. He would tap on the side mm -hmm. of the box and then the sides obviously are removed and it drains. But, uh, they said they tried that a few times before he put his head in the box and like the side panels got stuck or something. And it was just like, fuck that. There's no way I would have done that myself. So props <laughs> to Scott Patterson for really selling that. Cause that is a, uh, a is like teeth grinding scene. I can't stand that scene. Yeah, no, it was great. And again, I feel bad for the character to this extent. Cause he has to go through two brutal situations uh, one of which does not uh, end as as well, I guess you could say, as the first one with the pen tracheotomy. Um, of the victims that we saw, um, I don't know if victims is the right way, the, the jigsaw contestants, whatever, um, the, that are in the maze, whose death did you find was kind of the, the I don't. I can't even say most impactful. Was there one that like stood out for you? Uh, yes, there was because I thought that the parallel storyline with those five uh, people that have to go from room to room and then to see how many can survive that runs concurrently to uh, to Strom's narrative, I thought was so fucking weak. That's probably the weakest series of traps that have been in the entire f uh, series, bar the one where they decide like, oh, we have to kill this woman. And then they use her body as like a conductor in the tub, basically, to power this door. Um, that was the only memory. Yeah, RIP to her. Um, she didn't really have a choice in that because somebody stabbed her in the neck with a screwdriver or something. Um, but that's the only trap that stood out to me. All the other ones were so lame. Like the first one, they all have these dog collars on that have cables. If anybody moves too much, then it'll yank somebody else into basically what are like... Uh, hedge trimmers that are behind them where obviously it'll decapitate them if they get too close to it another one is a pipe bomb is going to go off and they have to find a key so they have to smash these jars hanging from the ceiling to unlock basically like mini bunkers that are built into the wall and then the final one is is that there's a jar and they're supposed to stick their hand in there and like have a saw blade cut into their hand and once the jar is filled with a certain amount of blood the door will unlock before a pipe bomb goes off I thought all of those, with the exception of the one where they have to use the woman as a conductor for the electric sockets or something, all of those were so lame, I thought, and very short-lived to the degree where one of them, I think, was like somewhere around five minutes, and then one of them was like 90 seconds, and it just like moved on to the next one. Um, I thought those were super uninspired, and they kind of, I guess, narratively speaking, it makes sense that they're so uninspired because Jigsaw is not behind them. They're Hoffman's traps. They're not Jigsaw's traps. But that's fucking boring to watch. 
don't have Hoffman be the new Jigsaw or try to be the new Jigsaw if he's going to have these sort of like subpar traps that are A, not that brutal in terms of the Saw universe, right? But in, in terms of general film, that's an insane thing to say, but in terms of Saw, they're not creative, they're not that brutal, and they're uninspired yeah. in a lot of ways. So I found them just to be a huge bummer mostly. How about you? Well, to that effect too, right? If Hoffman is, in this case, Jigsaw, we've seen how he treats victims. There's no fucking point for him to create a scenario where anyone can survive because he's shown he's not going to do that previously. Again, to your point with the first death in here, or in theory, what uh, was going to happen with Agent Strom and what ended up happening with Agent Strom. Um, I think also like outside of, I think the most memorable of those guys was the douchey reporter yeah. just because he was kind of ominous with like, I do know who some of you guys are and I'm I'm not going to tell you who I am, which there's no fucking reason to do that outside of like, you know, building, uh, building intensity throughout the film. He could have easily just said that. And furthermore, actually, let me, let me say this. Every single one of the things, the uh, challenges that they had to go through, the keys at, at the end of like the first maze or the first challenge that they have to do, they are all the same. Yep. So they could have, oh, it could have opened everybody up, right? Like the bombs, uh, the bomb scenario, they could have all very clearly hid in that, um, in that hole where like Megan Good's character was when we saw that. Um, I don't know, like for the most part, again, I don't know how the conductor would work. Maybe they'd all hold hands, but like they very, uh, not easily, but they could have gotten out of that relatively unscathed compared to other saw victims. Yeah. And yeah, that's the, that was the part to me at the end, which was so frustrating. Again, I guess that's part of the, the, the beauty of saw, I guess, is that you root for people to, you, you root for good characters to live. Um, but at the same time, we enjoy watching them die. So it's just a very weird dichotomy. Well, yeah, that's like the probably the first, I guess, semi twist of the film is that by the end of the movie, there's the realization that they could have all been saved. All they had to do was work together, yeah. um, which mm -hmm. is not really a twist because, again, it kind of just signifies how everybody in these movies, to a certain extent, is just like a scummy piece of shit. It's just this idea like you didn't think to maybe try to work together. Everybody is going to just be so aggro and so anti cooperation that yeah, of course, they're all going to kill one another, essentially. Uh, we actually see them start to turn on one another. But also, it just further reinforces this idea that, like, Jigsaw's ways are the ways of the past, right? This idea that they are all being chosen for, what was the quote? Uh, poor moral decisions, which is just like, okay, we get it. We get it. We're moving on from the idea that we're teaching people something behind this torture. Uh, it's just uh, poor moral decisions. Okay, you're not the best, but it's your morals that are flawed. You need to get blown the fuck yeah, up, by the that's way. That's why like, I need to blow you so up with a pipe bomb, or why you need to saw your hand in half for me. Um, <laughs> but I guess, yeah, in terms of like traps, I was not, we were largely not fans of a lot of the traps that were in this, and especially like going from room to room. This is probably the weakest in terms of traps overall for any of the Saw films, I would say. Yes. Um, but I mm -hmm. think we should highlight some of the positives, and I say positives in the sense that we're two people that enjoy Saw. So these are elements yeah. of the film that I think stand out, obviously, to people that have been watching up until this point and that are actually inve somewhat invested, uh, maybe becoming more so less invested based off of four and five. But um, I was a fan of a lot of the flashbacks 
which basically shows Hoffman being recruited uh, by Jigsaw. Mm-hmm. And I like this because it further fleshes out the first three films, which are the best films that I've seen so far in the series. And I mean, you've seen more of the series than I, but I think that's a fair assumption to make that those are so far the three strongest. Um, I was a fan of that. How did you find that that worked out? Yeah, no, I, I would agree with you. I, I think, you know, th- again, there are positives in this, right? Like the scenes with Tobin Bell, I think some of them were phenomenal. Like the one with him and Kostas Mandalore, where he's explaining to him, uh, I have evidence on you. You can either, you know, turn me in, potentially kill me, or you can essentially join me. Um, it's very weird how that happened. I do like that Genesis story, though. Um you know, so like again, seeing those scenes, I think the scenes with Betsy Russell, uh, Jill, uh, Jigsaw's wife, um, they were pretty decent as well. Um, although I really don't like that lawyer for whatever reason, but that's a, a different, um, but yeah, I mean, again, there are definitely good takeaways for, or there are good scenes in this that make it a, a, a better fifth, uh, fifth entry into mm-hmm. a franchise than other horror movies have yeah. in the past, right? Um, I will also say that, um, and again, you may disagree with me on this. I think the death of Agent Strom, that's one of the most terrifying deaths for me is just because I have a weird, like claustrophobia kind of thing with that kind of stuff. Um, so I don't know, like that to me was just the, one of the probably top three deaths in Saw just because of how much that made me uncomfortable realizing like, why the fuck is there a coffin randomly in the middle of this, right. you know, uh, of this like room? And why did that door shut? And ha- why is, uh, you know, Hoffman looking so smug? I, I don't know. It just when it all clicked, it, it was it was pretty damn terrifying to me. Do you agree that that's a or I don't know, maybe that's top three for you. But did it was that like the most, I guess, the gnarliest uh saw kill in this in this entry probably yes i will say that is definitely the most memorable uh strom escaping with the pen tracheotomy is not a not a kill obviously because uh, he escapes um but yeah the the sort of like <laughs> taking that trash compactor scene from star wars and seeing that kind of like play out in a way that was just like completely fucked but also like triggering my claustrophobia kind of like not only is strom getting crushed to death by this room but likewise seeing hoffman in this coffin and then the coffin lowering into the ground to the point where it gets covered up was like that made my skin crawl in a way I was not expecting. Um, But yeah, I think I really appreciate as somebody that has been enjoying the Saw films largely, I appreciate that they're filling in some of the gaps between Saw 1 through 3, right? We get flashbacks of of, um, Hoffman facilitating a lot of the kidnappings and also the staging of traps with Jigsaw, which I think it makes me appreciate one through three more because it makes one through three more feasible. Obviously, that doesn't mean a great deal in terms of like the the uh, fantastical nature of these movies and like getting all these things to work just right so that way people can either escape or not escape. But I like that right. it kind of dispels the notion that Jigsaw could ever do this by himself because that's ridiculous. He's an old man that's ravaged by cancer and whatnot. So I can appreciate that and I do get a certain sense of I don't even know if I'd call it nostalgia because the movies are not that far removed from one another. But the idea that we get to see how certain traps or victims came to fruition, essentially, like 
I do. I can appreciate that as somebody that has now watched five Saw movies, right? Um, granted, I'm not ignorant to the fact that if you're not invested in these movies, or for whatever reason this is the either the first or second Saw movie you've seen, you have do you do not give a fuck about any of this at all. Like we're not that invested in Hoffman or Strom, but at the end of the day, it's kind of cool to see these characters be recurring and to be in the limelight in a lot of ways. It's also cool to see how they tie into the larger narrative and how they tie into Jigsaw and Saw, even though Jigsaw has been dead now for how many movies? Two movies now. Um, and of course, like you had said, getting to see Tobin Bell come back, even though he's been dead for two movies, I, I love. And it's a no brainer that he has to show up in all of the movies in the series, even if he's dead. Um, mm. I just wish he had had maybe there had been more flashbacks with him monologuing or something like that. Cause Tobin Bell again is, uh, even be from beyond the grave is an incredibly sinister character. And of course, Tobin Bell's performance, um, facilitates that in a way that is great. And it just kind of further shows how, uh, Jigsaw and John Kramer, are these sort of, uh, enigmatic killer that really stands out in a way, even if it's, uh, not literally him like pulling the trigger even if he gives all of his victims the gun to do so um even though he does need to fucking lose this line i've never killed anybody i detest murder like dude yeah, you gotta was... you, you gotta drop that like you're too he's too smart to keep buying into that flimsy justification for murder but you know it's a movie at the end of the day right well i mean yeah i i will say i think we may you may get your wish about uh jigsaw like tobin bell's jigsaw rather uh doing a monologue in a future movie or two Fantastic. but uh i'm not gonna spoil it for you but it does happen i just like <laughs> how i and i it's something that i wish they had examined more was hoffman and jigsaw's relationship just because they can both relate to one another through their own loss and grief and trauma right they both lost loved ones that's essentially what brings them together in a way that while Jigsaw was displeased that Hoffman decided, hey, I'm going to do a Jigsaw-style murder to kill my sister's murderer, um, it's still interesting how Jigsaw sees potential in that. Uh, and when Hoffman right. like frees himself from a trap, you learn, like, oh, okay. So there is a way to escape, and Jigsaw is kind of trying to teach him a lesson. I kind of wish we'd gotten mm -hmm. a little more of that relationship rather than just, like, two scenes of Hoffman getting abducted and then Hoffman having the choice of, you can either work with me or you can blow your head off with this shotgun that has uh, been fastened to the bottom of your chin. Um, but I guess mm -hmm. in terms of kind of just like digging towards the end of the film and the perhaps the second, I don't even know if you would call it a twist, but basically Hoffman has been setting up Strom the entire movie to look like the fall guy for the Jigsaw killings. Mm -hmm. And he's essentially like leading on the FBI director to realize, hey, Strom is the one that's been killing all these people. He's the one that's obsessed. It couldn't be Hoffman, who's this model police officer. How did you find that whole, I, I guess it's a narrative thread. I don't know. I would even call it a twist, but how did you find that? I mean, I definitely enjoyed it. I think it wasn't surprising because we see throughout the movie, there's, it's not even breadcrumbs. Like the entire scene is literally uh, Hoffman trying to set Strom yeah. <laughs> up. So like, it wasn't that surprising. What more so again surprised me was just the fact that like that FBI director was so receptive, <laughs> yeah. even in the, even in the face of like overwhelmingly like convenient evidence. Right. Um, again, I it, putting that ourselves in that kind of position. I don't know if 
how that would work in real life to an extent but yeah it was a little bit over the top about like how much hoffman was setting strom up to the point that it was like i i was expecting that to happen in one way or another and for him to get the blame of it whether it's actually him dying and going with that uh you know that legacy so to speak or him being you know as right before i think the scene before he gets crushed is that fbi director putting out an apb ad on him right so um he was pretty fucked at that point regardless of what happened to him yeah um i really didn't i mean it's it's very evident obviously that that's the direction they're going with because they show us this at every step of the way the movie treats it like it is some big reveal when it's like how is this supposed to be poised as being surprising when we've seen Hoffman actively working to set up Strom the entire movie. Um, they kind of like drop that scene like it's some kind of bombshell and it's like, yeah, we all know this is where this is heading. Uh, and right. again, yeah, there's so many like logical fallacies like the, the FBI or the director of the FBI is this easily duped. And also he is the one that is actively searching for uh, Strom and Hoffman by himself. Like it's that normal, it's that like cliched cop thing where it's like no backup. This is just me. I'm going to do the investigation. He's like storming this compound that could have a serial killer in it by himself. No backup. Um, yeah. But yeah, also just like complete lack of faith in his own agents. And it's just like, I, I got to keep this under wraps. I can't bring anybody else into this. So nobody else will try to discredit my findings or anything like that. Yeah, it all just it plays out in a very predictable manner, which I think kind of this being the fifth Saw movie in the series gets at the heart of my problem with the last two movies that is, I really hope they kind of like start to move away from, but given we're now what, eight or nine entries into this, I don't see that happening. Probably not. The fact that these are so one note and so predictable now, I mean, it's getting to the point where they're so incredibly formulaic there's no real variation to, honestly, the last four movies in the series, uh, or rather the last three, I guess. Um, it's just, they have this sort of play-by-play -play that is present throughout both, or throughout the last three movies, um, which, again, it doesn't make them like atrocious. I don't think these, I don't even think four and five are as bad as I had heard they were, but they just seem so one note and so repetitive that it's like, okay, these don't really resemble what made the first three films so good. And maybe I'm getting a little greedy uh, in terms of my expectations for like the fourth and fifth entries in a series that goes on for nine movies. Like it's pretty rare that I'll say that the fourth and fifth entries of any series are like really good. There's a couple, but there aren't many, right? Um, Sharknado. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it is one of those things where the first three films were so well put together in terms of being an original trilogy I guess I was just hoping that four, five, and potentially six would have their own self-contained trilogy that moves on from the roots of three in a way that was as composed or maybe it pushes the genre in a new direction. Again, I think it's impressive that they've been able to have a new protagonist for the last two films. And of course, going into the third film, now that Strom's dead uh, via tr uh, trash compactor, they're gonna need a new protagonist. So. I'm kind of just curious about whether they're going to be able to ever have another protagonist that is as compelling perhaps as an Amanda Young or the kind of, uh, Eric Matthews to a certain extent. Again, Eric Matthews was not the, uh, the world's greatest detective by any means, 
but he at least had a little more charisma or a little more impact than uh, than a Strom or a Hoffman. But we'll have to see. I mean, again, these movies, I'm pleasantly surprised by their watchability. I'm just hoping for yeah. a lot more moving forwards. No, I, I would fully agree with you. I, I don't know if you'll get your wish on it, it being better throughout the mm-hmm. series, but it, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say it gets too much worse. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong. Um, I will say there may or may not be a, rec- uh, a character that we haven't seen in a movie join us again. Um, you won't really give a shit when you see them, but um, <laughs> that may or may not happen. Um, but no, I mean, listen, it's, you know, it's always a pleasure to, to hop on here and, and chat with you about this and uh, definitely excited to, to see where it goes and see if, you know, the tail end of, of this series can produce some more uh, interesting kind of moments as the, the first few uh, entries in the series did for Absolutely, us. Absolutely, yeah. And I hope to see uh, the kind of direction, the uh, brutal direction that these uh, interesting twists and turns hopefully will take in the later ones. But uh, as always, Bernie, it's a pleasure chatting Saw and chatting horror with you in general. Appreciate it, brother. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to Daily Horror Habit on your preferred streaming service and follow the show on Instagram at Daily Horror Habit and on Twitter at Daily Horror Pod for episode updates. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you guys next time.